our series, we've looked at how our physical bodies point to the body of Christ and God's plan for his church. Then we looked at the, the structure of the body and the bones. And last week, we looked, we looked last week at the covering of the body and the skin. Well, tonight we look at the lifeline of the body, and that is the blood. And so thank you, Lord Jesus, for everyone who is here tuning in online. God, let our, our youth have a blast and be mightily touched and impacted at youth convention this week, Lord Jesus. But tonight, we're here to, to look at your word. And God, I pray that you would anoint me to deliver this, and you deliver it through me, and our hearts and minds would be open as we talk and learn about the blood. In your name we pray, amen. Who here would you say you are comfortable with the sight of blood? Raise your hand if you say, I'm comfortable with the sight of blood. Okay. Now raise your hand if you are completely and totally uncomfortable at the sight of blood. All right. Just a few. If you're watching online, let us know. Say, I'm comfortable with blood or I'm not comfortable with blood. And then somebody tuning in will see your comments and be really confused and, and, and worried about the church when you say, I'm, I, I'm comfortable with blood. But we have a lot more comfortable with blood than uncomfortable. Who here, um, anyone... Anyone here able to handle the blood of others, but then when you see your own blood, that bothers you more? Okay, a couple. How about vice versa? Is anyone comfortable with your own blood, but if you see someone else's blood, that really makes you queasy? So none of them people. All right, all right. So that's interesting. So typically blood gets our attention when we begin to lose it or it becomes visible. You know, the sight of it can cause panic. Maybe you see blood in your urine, or a nosebleed takes place, a weeping wound causes alarm, or you begin to watch it fill up a vial as you're sitting there talking to someone. You know, it's funny, like, blood doesn't bother me, but when I'm getting my blood drawn, and the person's, like, right in my face, and, like, so, and I know that you're, like, just trying to make me not be uncomfortable and like making sure I don't pass out so you're like trying to engage me in conversation like you're making me uncomfortable by being in my face thinking I'm uncomfortable and so um, I don't know but the blood is the pipeline that carries life to our entire body it services ready 40 trillion cells in the human body we can't even wrap our brain around how much that really is. A renewable supply of oxygen, amino acids, salts, minerals, sugars, lipids, cholesterols, hormones, they all surge past our cells. And the way that happens is they're carried on rafts, so to speak, of blood cells. In addition, that same pipeline ferries away uh, refuse and exhaust gases and worn out chemicals. 60,000 miles of blood vessels link every cell. Again, we can't, we can't wrap our brains around this. This body that we are in is more amazing than any scientific, any scientific, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? discovery or breakthrough or whatever this is this is the greatest thing on the face of the earth it really is platelets have a small margin of error a clot too thick 
might block the flow of blood through the vein or artery and perhaps lead to a stroke. On the other hand, people whose blood has poor clotting ability are in constant peril because even a tooth extraction can provide fatal to that person. Anyone know someone that has an issue with blood clotting? Not only one. Well, if any part of the network breaks down, the heart takes an unscheduled rest. A clot overgrows and blocks an artery or a defect diminishes the red cell's oxygen capacity. At that moment, life ebbs away. The brain, the CEO of the body, can survive intact only five minutes without replenishment from blood. Truly, the statement, life is in the blood. Anybody heard that statement, life is in the blood? See? Now you know why I eat medium rare steaks. No? Okay. And absolutely, it's totally accurate though. Life is in the blood. Every cell in every body, that's you and me, every one of our cells is at the mercy of the blood. If you really want to grasp the function of blood in your cells and your body, do the following experiment sometime. You ready? Find a blood pressure kit. Wrap the cuff around your upper arm. Have a friend pump it until the flow of blood stops in your arm. Initially, your arm will feel an uncomfortable tightness beneath the cuff. Now comes the revealing part of the experiment. Perform, just, just start to perform a couple of easy tasks with that arm. Simply just flex your fingers. Make a fist a few times. Everybody just go like this. Make a fist. Anybody feel discomfort? No. Just, unless you have a physical issue that either you're aware or unaware of, this is not uncomfortable. But when you put your arm in the blood pressure cuff and tighten it up, just start to cut paper with scissors. Or just grab a hammer and just, just nail in a, a nail with that blood pressure cuff on. The first few movements seem quite normal. As your muscles obediently, they will contract and relax and contract. And you're like, all right, this is, what's he talking about? This is normal. Then you feel just a little bit of weakness. Almost without warning, after perhaps 10 movements of maybe the scissors or the hand or the hammer, about 10 movements, a hot flash of pain will strike and your muscles will cramp violently. And if you force yourself to continue, even though you're feeling that, you will likely cry out in absolute agony overcome by pain in just a short amount of time. When you finally release the tourniquet and the air escapes from the cuff with the hiss, blood rushes into your aching arm and a wonderfully soothing sense of relief floods your muscles. Your muscles move freely and the soreness will begin to vanish. Physiologically, what you have just experienced is the cleansing power of the blood.
The pain came because you forced your muscles to keep working while the blood supply to your arm was cut off. As muscles converted oxygen into energy, they produced certain wastes, uh, metabolites, that normally would have been flushed away by the bloodstream. Because of the constricted blood flow, however, those metabolites accumulated in your cells instead of being flushed out. They were not cleansed by the blood, by a steady stream of blood. And so in a few minutes, you felt the agony of retained toxins. No cell lies more than a hair's breadth from a blood capillary, lest these poisonous byproducts build up. The bloodstream flowing inside these narrow capillary simultaneously releases its cargo of fresh oxygen and absorbs hazardous waste products, which are transported to the kidneys and then disposed of from the kidneys. So life... Not only is life in the blood, but the blood also cleanses. There's not just life in the blood, but the blood is a cleansing agent to remove the filth and the toxins that have been built up. Doesn't that sound familiar? Our bodies are this amazing reflection of Christ's plan for his church. Right now, your body is working in ways that reflect Christ's plan for his church. The blood not only brings life and cleanses the physical body, but blood also brings life and cleanses the spiritual body. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off were made nigh, By the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The blood of Christ not only removed the impurities that separated us, but it brought life to us in the midst of hopelessness. If you left the tourniquet on your arm forever, you would lose your arm. Because the blood needed to come in and bring not only life, but cleanse the the arm of the impurities and the toxins. Although modern worshipers might feel uncomfortable with the concept of blood, Christian faith is inescapably linked to blood. In the Old Testament, writers spelled out all the details of animal sacrifices. No doubt, it was a gory, dirty, nasty job to be a priest that would have to take an animal and slit the throat and blood would pour out. And, and ugh, I mean, like, you got to imagine. And then you'd pour blood in the base and then you put the, the rest of the, the animal on the sacrifice and burn the rest of it. And then you'd walk into the tabernacle and you'd pour that blood on the mercy seat. No doubt that that was a stinky, nasty, dirty, disgusting job. But it was an atonement. It was to push that sin off for another year. New Testament counterparts overlaid those rituals with theological truths and doctrine. And the church were even called to commemorate the blood that was shed. By what we would call communion. Where we remember the blood that he shed for us. And as we get ready to remember the blood once again here in just two days... Maybe we forgot in just two days, it's Good Friday. This is the 
Holy Week, as some would say in the religious realms. And, and this is the week that I think that we, we, we often remember the blood of Calvary throughout the year. It's not just one time, but this is definitely a global focus on the blood that was shed. And it's Good Friday, and this is the day that the world remembers how God took on flesh and dwelt among us and shed his blood. But could it be possible that sometimes we focus solely on shed blood? That we almost focus too much on just the shed blood. What in the world does that mean? We look at our sins and we remember his death and we associate the blood with the covering of those sins. And, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. Right? Anybody else thankful for that part? But could it be that we must focus not only on the shed blood, but also on the fact that his blood was shared? You see, medically, blood signifies life. But we don't often think about that in that context, do we? Oh, I'm bleeding. She's bleeding. Somebody, he's bleeding. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood that he shed. We think of blood as a loss, as a danger, as a injury, as death, and as even in the cross, like, oh, he shed his blood. Blood equals death in the hospital, and blood equals death on Good Friday. But that's not looking at the bigger picture. Blood is what brings life. It brings life in the hospital. It brings life on Good Friday. Blood feeds and sustains every cell in the body with precious nutrients. And when it seeps away, when it seeps away, life falters without blood. And just like our physical body, the blood of Jesus Christ is what brings life to the body of Christ. Oh, yes, I'm thankful that I'm a part of the body, aren't you? And we can talk about the church and being a part of the body. And we've been talking about that, how our physical bodies reflect his plan for the spiritual body of Christ. And we are born into this body. Last week, we talked about how our DNA can change. Well, how in the world do you get a DNA to change? Well, there's new birth there that takes place. And, and so we can be grafted into this body of Christ. But let me tell you, even though I love love water baptism. I, I preach the spirit infilling. That's all great. We don't have any of that without the blood. There is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness. There is no outpouring of the spirit without the cross. The, the blood is what made life. The blood is what brings life to your body and my body, but the blood is also what brings life to the body of Christ. It is what allows us to be a part of this body and to be alive. But on this Good Friday, I don't want to just focus on the fact his blood was shed, but that it was also shared. Under the Old Testament covenant of the, uh, under the Old Testament law, of the Old Testament, believers would bring an animal sacrifice and the blood would be shed. The entire system of the Old Testament law was based on what they brought, what they killed, what they gave, what they offered. 
You bring the sacrifice, you kill the animal, you pour the blood, and you offer that to God. Right? But then you move into the New Testament. In Matthew 26, they're having the Last Supper in the New Testament, and it says, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it, broke it, gave it to the disciples, said, take, eat, this is my body. They took from them the cup, gave thanks, gave it to him, said, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many of the remission of sins. Now, we will read that, and we think about communion, and we read that passage, and everybody, and they all took of the cup, and they all took of the bread, and we take that, and we move on, but do you see what just happened there? In the, in the Old Testament, God's people brought him the shed blood. In the New Testament, he brought us the shed blood. And then he shared it with us. In this book we've been reading, fearfully, or that I've been, I've been, I read and have been sharing with you in this book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, which I, I, I recommend. I mean, I'm not, I probably sound smart here, like, talking about this stuff. I'm not. You got to remember, I was the guy that went to college, started in sciences, was going to be a dentist, and was like, I can't do this. This is intriguing, though. Dr. Paul Bland tells the in-depth story of the very moment that he felt called into the medical field. And I'm going to share it with you in my brief, more shortened version. He says, my career in medicine traces back to a dreary night in an East London hospital. Although my family had tried to influence me toward medicine for a long time, I stubbornly resisted all pressures to enter medical school. In truth, he says, and I quote, I was repulsed by the sight of blood. If you are repulsed by the sight of blood, you might not want to be a doctor. Growing up in India, I shared in everything my parents did. People would come to my dad for treatment, and he would, we would do what we could to help them with no anesthetics there. That would probably impact your view of the medical field if you were practicing with no anesthetics. <laughs> that would give you a lot of nightmares, I would imagine. And I would clean up everything after my dad was done. I quickly dismissed a career in dealing with blood. I can understand that. I learned a building trade in London, and I could not wait to go back home to India to begin my career as a carpenter. But before I went back, I thought, you know, I should take an introductory, the same introductory medical course that my dad took many years earlier. I did this, he says, because I thought it'd be good to have some kind of an idea about tropical medicine since I'd be in rural India. And I thought it'd be a good idea. One evening during my stint there, my whole view of medicine and of blood permanently shifted. That night, the hospital orderlies wheeled in an accident victim into my ward. She had lost a ton of blood and was now completely pale. The hospital staff lurched into panic mode. A nurse went running down a corridor for a bottle of blood while the doctor fumbled with a transfusion apparatus. Another doctor thrust a blood pressure cuff at me, and, and when I used it, I, I, I couldn't get the faintest of flicker. He said, you know, growing up, I at least knew how to use that. And I couldn't get the faintest of flicker of a pulse from the woman's cold, damp wrist. 
She also, she didn't seem to be breathing. So to me, I was like, he said, why, why are we even messing with She's dead. She's gone. The nurse arrived with a bottle of blood and began to push the blood into her body as fast as they could. And before they ran out of the room, they said, keep watch on her. And so he just sat there keeping watch. And he said, nothing in my memory can compare to the excitement of what happened next. As I held that woman's wrist, all of a sudden, I felt a faint pulse. The next pint of blood arrived, and the staff quickly took off the empty bottle, put the new one on, and a spot of pink now appeared on her pale skin. Like a, water drop, a drop of watercolor on a patient's cheek, and slowly the coloring just began to spread. Her lips darkened pink and then red and then her body quivered with a sighing breath and then her eyelids fluttered and lightly parted and she squinted at first looking up at the lights and her pupils contracted and she looked at me and she said, water. That young woman entered my life for only about an hour or so. But after that, my life was utterly changed forever. And he went on to become a world-class physician. You see, the memory of shed blood kept him out of medicine, kept him out of medicine completely. But the power of shared blood is what led him into medical school to be the doctor that he was. He saw a miracle that night. A life that was broken and battered and dead. No hope. It came back to life because of one thing and one thing alone. And that is the power of the blood. And after that, he wanted to be a part of that for the rest of his life. Because he firsthand saw what the power of the blood could do in someone's life. Listen, maybe you've been living this way for too long and you forget what it has done personally. But you can look around and you can see a new person walk into this church, sit in a Bible study, go to a small group. And you can see the power of the blood once again in their lives when they walk in with brokenness and hopelessness and death and discouragement and all of a sudden the word of God comes to life and you see their eyes open so to speak with just a quiver and you you see them coming to a Bible study and all of a sudden maybe a tear wells up in an eye and and just like that lady was lifeless and all of a sudden she quivered and her eyes opened up and color started to come into her skin. I know that some of you have taught and you've seen that. Well, you know what? If you've never been a part of that, make a disciple. Get in someone's life because the power of the blood can bring life where there's death. All of a sudden, someone's eyes are closed and the word of God can enlighten them to where they open them and they see some things that they've never seen before. And guess what? After that happens, just like that lady looked and said, water. 
That's often what happens when someone comes to new life and the blood starts to impact their lives. The blood starts to come into their veins, the blood of Calvary, that what often follows next is someone says, water. I'm getting ready to close already, and tonight I just want you to know that I wonder if anyone here has ever experienced this to where you've seen lifeless, hopeless death, but then the blood came into your life, and you have a testimony about how one time I was barely breathing. I was barely hanging on. I thought I was dead. I thought I was hopeless. I didn't think there was another chance, but then when the blood came in, something changed in me. I got a chance to see someone else. The blood changed them. The blood changed me. We're part of this body of Christ because the blood has given all of us new life. Oh, I invite you to stand to your feet tonight. He didn't just shed his blood in death. He shared his blood in death. Jesus Christ, he took on, God took on flesh and he died on that cross. And that's what we're getting to remember. It's not just he shed, he shed, he shed. No, we're alive and part of this body because he shared. And so tonight, I'm not only grateful for the blood in my life, but I'm thankful that he still does transfusions. I'm thankful that you can wheel in people on their deathbed into the church and into homes and Bible studies. And when someone learns about this and the blood enters their heart and into their mind and starts to flow in their veins, that they can have another chance at life just like I did, just like many of you did. And so tonight, as we wrap this up and no doubt going to sing a song about the blood, I'm just inviting you to come and to find a place to pray this evening. And if anything, we got so much to be thankful for. Our situation could be terrible. Our life could be shaken right now. We could have all kinds of issues. But at the end of the day, we're alive spiritually because the blood, because the blood that he shed has washed over our bodies and given us new life and new birth, new DNA and new heart. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Oh, the
Thank you. 